Hello, everybody. Kyle jumping in with a little update here. It is uh, July 3rd. It's been a little too long since I've dropped an episode. I admit the moving stress has gotten to me. Also, we had a huge fire here at our apartment complex the other day. Literally, I'm recording this on Saturday. It just happened on Monday, so less than a week ago. What a big sign telling me to GTFO, if you know what I mean. I need to skedaddle out of here. But uh, I still got a couple more weeks before we move. It's put the place into absolute chaos. That means our main building that receives mail and packages and everything is totally up in flames, completely lost. Thankfully, no harm came to any of the residents or any of their pets or anything like that. Seems like everyone got out just fine. But one of those wild, wild, wild things that no one needs to have going on in their life in 2021. No one needs to be losing their home to a big old fire. I think it was actually started by something in the kitchen, but that's kind of just rumor on the street. So be safe in your homes and your apartment buildings, especially if you're living out there in apartments. A reminder that you're taking care of more than just your own property. You know, when when you leave that candle light and they're lit and when you're walking out of the room, just be really, you know, too f- follow your fire safety, folks. All I'm saying. That is a very strange start to this episode of Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. That being said, we haven't had much news in the Stellaris front. I'm going to pop open Steam here again on the side just to make sure that nothing has snuck by me. I've actually uh, got the game open in the background. My friends and I popped in. Eh, let's see, the Dev Diary of 216. We talked about Necroids, so nope. No, no new news since I last checked in. Okay, I'm not slacking on the job too hard. But uh, friends and I got in the other day. It was me and my friend Space Unicorn. We loaded up the, uh, what we usually do. Our friend Reaper jumped in a little bit ways through, so he picked up a, a random empire in a multiplayer game. Very, very fun. If you are in the Gilded server with us, please let us know. We will happily try and get you into a game. I've got the whole mod list up there, ready to go, with all the information you'll need to join in. Uh, but really, truly, this is going to be open for everyone, especially as we get into, like, the late July, August window, once I get settled on the other side of this move, I cannot wait to let my brain explore and be normal again. I keep relating it to having like this big old program in my brain with it's like hung up. It's using a lot of RAM, a lot of CPU. It's just hung there. And that to me is my packing brain because I'm I'm wanting to plan things for the community that so we can do it together. Uh, At the same time, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's the day my internet gets disconnected here. That's the day I hope to have it reconnected on the other side of the trip. This move, by the way, is a four-day endeavor, so it's not, you know, some one-day ordeal. It's four days of travel, probably six days all in when it comes to picking up the U-Haul, packing it. Maybe even seven's the final return day. So it's going to be a big deal. Um, I had to book hotels, and all the while... I've been kind of asking my co-hosts and friends, do you want to host something while I'm away? If so, what do you need me to get set up? That is a kind of an intro teaser to say we are going to host a seven days to die server if you have that game. Usually only goes for $7 US on Steam. It's a crafting survival game. It's amazing. It's like Minecraft, but dare I say more modern graphics. It's more aggressive zombies. Very, very fun. Started to do a little podcast on that on the side as well. Um, Seven Days to Die cast. Go listen to that. But we're going to start hosting some servers for the community. And that's why I want to invite everybody again. Get in the Gilded server. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Make sure to hit the apply button. If you follow the server, you get nothing. Sadly, you're like on the outskirts looking in. You know, if it were like a private Facebook account or something like that. Very similar. If you follow, you only get the most superficial stuff. Um, If you 
apply, we will gladly accept you. Just say you're here from the Solaris Emergency Broadcast, and uh, we'll grab you, put you in there. You grab the, the SEB roll, and then you're off to the races. So you can see all the channels and stuff. We have a great scheduler in there that's really been helping us plan these through all the different time zones. That's the one crazy thing about Stellaris multiplayers. We've got East Coast time, West Coast time, Mountain time, UK time. We're trying to merge all of those. So again, get in the Gilded server. I would uh, just absolutely love the chance, though, to get this community together into one. And that's kind of the, the heart of this episode, too. I'm realizing that almost four minutes into it. But really, this is just a little catch-up. Maybe entertain you guys while you're playing some games out there. But this is going to be ultra superficial. We don't have too much news to cover this week because, well, no news to Lars news since the 17th. They did tell us that. Uh, the Necroid change has me still in love with the concept. I'm actually playing a, a machine hive right now or a machine intelligence. They are kicking my other hives butt. So, yeah, my I am a, a, a catalog index... Uh, machine intelligence. I'm a driven assimilator. So I start the game with 10 cyborg pops. Uh, and then I can assimilate others. I get unity for assimilation and society research. Hmm. I think this guy's going to go on the offensive pretty soon. I got lucky. I'm ba boxed into this corner where the only people touching my, my borders uh, are these <laughs> tree-looking folks. And they're xenophobic isolationists. So they're suspicious. I don't know that they're military power. I got scared for a second because I'm like, oh, look, they have a three-star fleet on my border. It's got 3,000 fleet power. And then I remembered I have a 32,000 fleet floating around here. Pardon me letting the dog inside here. He's out cooking on the balcony, loving the heat. Okay, Louie, how you doing, man? Okay, he's with me. We're all set. Um, so this is, this is a really, really fun game. Have you noticed... Have you noticed a big, what I'm almost considering a bug? I don't know if that's true. Have you noticed that the AI is significantly out-popping people on the council? Just curious if anyone else is picking up on that. My friend Space and I have been BSing about that back and forth. Concern being that often, and I'm looking, I should be very specific, I'm in the galactic community view, so this is not the most accurate view of Pops, but when we're looking, not at the modifiers so much, but the actual raw numbers when you're viewing who's on the council and who's in the community, I am number one on the council with 10,000 strength right now. It's 2287 in the game. The next, okay, my, uh, my Pops are 447. So let's say I've got like a four, 450 is my number. The next AI on the list, who's in third place, has 560, 450 to 560, about 100 to 110 more pops than me. Now that person's score on the council's only 3.8K versus my 10. Here's what's bugging me. And, and I don't, I, this is me potentially being clueless. I, I throw this out. <laughs> Please tell me respectfully if I've totally got my things wrong. First, with the move, with all the things that are changing, I have not taken the time yet to commit these liminal, you know, ethereal, very, very quick, soon to be changed mechanics. I've not relearned them with the new pop stuff uh, just because they've said they're going to change it. So I'm not getting in there and worrying about it. I don't need that. But I am wondering if I'm terribly misgaging what's going on. I'm curious why the AI is way, way, way outpacing us. So it could be that we're on veteran right now and that they're getting the according AI buffs because of the difficulty level. 
So maybe they have a whatever modifier to their pop count. Though this still concerns me and I ask the question like, is this working as intended? I am getting way out popped by the AI quite often and I used to be a pop heavy play. So this is me recognizing like what used to work may not work now, but why does it seem to work for the AI out there? And here's where I'm concerned. And again, this is, please let me know. But does this, this tells me that I can no longer signal the vote and support of the Charter of Workers' Rights, which gives 20% diplomatic weight from POPs. That to me no longer seems like something I would want to vote for because if I will always be out pop by AIs who are, mm, I mean, significantly less than me. I'm looking down the list um, here. here so, so I'm in first. My friend Space is in second. I've got 447 pops. Um, Space has 450. That does match my top bar, by the way. It says I have 447 up there. Do, do, do. Let's see. So the next one, 560 is an AI, 520, 510, 44, 425. Four, no, that's 329. So they start dipping down, but there's a lot of, how many was that? One, two, three, four. Is that four of them? Four AIs are about beating me in the pop game here. And it, it does surprise me. I mean, again, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Uh, maybe I'm, and then this one is me playing as the machine people, but they're keeping up a lot better, these driven assimilators, than my traditional hive. Not sure where I'm getting the balance wrong. Maybe I'm doing something with one of our mods here because um, we are still running like expanded traditions and some extra stuff like that. So let me know if that's not happening in your single player games. I'd just be really, really curious if anyone's finding that. And I might be in a unique position to notice it since I was like in a very, very pop heavy build. Like usually the AI would not be keeping up with me. I will say my expansion though, at least at this stage in the game, very, very slow. Um, there is a part of me that's changed too. I've expressed to you guys that, you know, I have really bad carpal tunnel in my dominant gaming hand. And when I go around and I left click on things like crazy, it just, my hand just starts to hurt so bad, like at the wrist. No, at the, the forearm sort of area, right above the, the elbow joint. And so I try and take it really, you know, gentle when I'm playing these games. I try and like stretch my arm out and stuff. But I've tried just not to maintain uber empires. I've tried not to open up, you know, and, and run empires that are just ridiculous in size. Maybe that's part of my problem, too. Maybe I am. I, I Maybe I'm coming to everyone here saying, like, my pops are screwy. I am only like, I'm, I'm kind of teeny in this one compared to what I usually am. I, I, I tend to take over half of a large map is, is where I go. Half to at least a quarter. Right now, I'm a quarter of a quarter, if you will. And yeah, I'm pretty small. And that's okay. I mean, it's pretty good. I've got, what, four planets, nine planets, 10, 11, 12, 16. So I'm up to 16 planets right now with the uh, assimilators. None of those were conquered planets. Those are all just natural. I've got the Cybrex thing to expand to. That's the precursor one where I've got like four, <laughs> four extra rings. Oh, and maybe in this little BS time, I should express to everyone, I found a way, if we're calling this, if we're calling this playthrough a, a somewhat of a success already, and I, I think that's fair, I have already found a way to implement the ring world in a, in a solid way. So it was a real bummer for my hive mind. Hive mind and ring world, if you know a way to make that work, please get in touch, kyle at revelatornetwork.com. 
but I, I the downside now is that they have the habitability debuff, if you will, where they can only live on ring worlds. That's their preference. So if you start with the ring, the shattered ring origin, your people, whomever they are, will come in and they will prefer to live on ring worlds. Now that hasn't been changed at all, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna go before I go too deep in this. I've got my thing open on the side. Hmm. So what I've noticed is is yeah, okay. So these guys as machines don't have a habitability. They are actually machine habitability. That's specific. So they have one. It's just not like other people. They don't they don't inherit it like other folks do. We have a cyborg species in my empire and they prefer arid worlds. So there is a preference for them. But as the main machine, we don't care. That is making it very very doable for this playthrough. What I did was I got my main, well, okay, wait, those guys don't have one either. Well, how do those guys have the arid one if they're here? Is that because they're a cyborg species? Am I calling out like a glitch? <laughs> Sorry, my, uh, my, my brain is exploring as I'm talking, but yeah. So let me retry and summarize this. If I spin up a hive, choose shattered ring, I will spawn in on it. I will have the ring habitability preference. It means I can't settle on any of the adjacent planets and that is brutal because your people are really only meant to live on ring worlds. So until later in the tech tree, when you can learn more about like modifying your species, you're pretty stuck with that ring habitability. Now again, I'm playing as the machine, so they don't care. And it seems like my subspecies still prefer the arid world. They did not inherit the ring world preference. It's making it work. I mean, I'm, I'm just sending out machine species to settle up all these worlds. We're pulling in some nice money at six, 19 energy credits, 365 alloy, 200 minerals. Are we selling a lot? We're selling extra 100 minerals, selling some food. I've got plus 83, but I'm selling 20 more. We're selling moats, five of those. I mean, this is a pretty nice playthrough. I've got to say, I would play again with the Driven Assimilators and the Ring World. Those two things do seem to work together. What I don't know yet, they did talk about this in one of their patch notes, but there was the problem of having a very hard time filling up ring worlds in the past. We're about to see if that's the case today. Because we do now have, let's see. Yep, we have our first ring world that just got set up. Woohoohoo! 36 months before they assemble their first machine. They've got, uh, they're not growing anyone yet. There's no species growing on the planet. They are, hmm, yeah, they got the machine guys being made here, but... That's just brutal. It's um, plus 3.91 a month. So we're out of 200 is our cap for the progress. That's what a new one will spawn out. Wow. Well, I'll let people know how that goes. Not so sure what to say about the ring world um, in the long, long term playthrough. But I can say at the start, it's proving fun. I recommend trying it. If anyone knows any tricks of the trade to the new pop, game aspect i'd love to know i understand that the goal is to slim down how many pops we're using so we're not lagging out the game however i do think that also means we want to change things on the galactic council right like we we the the, the devs the modders the community at large probably want to see I, i'm guessing would want to see charter of workers rights change if the human player will always have less pops by default just um scaling 
then it doesn't make sense to have something give diplomatic weight for pops because that will never, almost never be something that a human player would want. Hmm. So just food for thought. I don't know. If, if you disagree, I'm, I welcome it. Please enlighten me. I, I want to know. Again, I've not delved too deep into the latest lore or uh, lore. I've not delved deep into the latest uh, just stats and metas, trends. I, I'm not a meta player at heart, but I do like to keep on uh, tabs on what's working and what's not. I'll dive into that once I'm through with the move. Once they see, once this Lem update comes out too, that's the big one I'm holding my breath for. <gasps> they say, don't hold your breath. But I mean, I'm holding my breath. I am so excited for it. I cannot wait. That Lem update just sounds beautiful. Gigastructures is absolutely kicking butt. If you don't have that mod, they just added an asteroid artillery. This thing is so cool. It is a, well, I'll just read it to you. It says an asteroid artillery is a large weapon platform embedded into a small rocky body, which is mined to sustain the platform. It consists of a central spinal weapon supplemented by an array of smaller auxiliary turrets and is made to repel medium-sized enemy incursions. What the heck does that mean? Well, if you have an asteroid belt around your world it specifically must be on you know an asteroid belt and it has to have one large asteroid in the belt um once you find that your ships can build the asteroid artillery i want to say what's a 5k let's do a little let's do a little check under the hood here mm. so the framework is about 5k and then i think it has an upgrade phase which maybe 10 on top i'm not sure seems like i'm getting a little bit of a discount from a mod tech in here this thing spawned into my game at 26k <laughs> i mean 26k i've got another that's at 30 some uh 37 over here on top of that they have upgrades that you can give them it's got its own little like kind of gooey menu in here we click it and then you can spend an upgrade point it seems i've got five available you you get your own research tree for these two or some research text is a better way to put it not a research tree it's a wrong word you get some tech cards thrown into your deck. It seems to have given me extra research or I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, there's so many words. Learning the asteroid artillery adds a couple more tech cards into your deck for research. One of those seems to be adding extra upgrade points because I was at three. Now I'm at five. And these upgrade points can be spent to reinforce the hull, uh, enhance payloads, flash coolants, calibrated sensors, uh, regenerative hull. All on this station, this asteroid artillery. So very easily, what are we looking at spending? Like 20... Okay, so 2,500 alloys would buy me all of my upgrades to it. At which point... Oh, wow, okay. So it says up top, if we're spending one point into the hull reinforcement, it will re or increases your hull and armor HP by 30% per level. Wow. So if I dump a lot in there, if I dump three in there, it'd be like a 90% bonus to haul and armor that's pretty cool i'm not that's a really neat one i've been waiting for gigastructures to add in some sort of weapon that could be used defensively they've got some they've got some uh star cluster destroyers in there but they're very offensive and that doesn't really help you if someone brings a massive fleet to your border one of them does they have one that can zap fleets but this is a little more what i was looking for effectively in this one system, I'm going to be able to max out a star base. And then on top of that, I will have mm, roughly 40K times three. So, you know, I'll be putting in what 120K uh, defensive, offensive, whatever you want to call it, you know, 
power to this system. That's that's a lot. <laughs> so a Starbase, and this thing perfectly holds my capital cluster as like a safe spot. Very much a fan. Uh, thanks for listening to me rambling today. This has been an absolute blast. Thanks for letting me nerd out and explore some Stellaris in front of you. I hope this has been somewhat fun, not terribly annoying or anything like that. I, I'm just learning. I'm learning with my friends is how I see it. 2,000 research is what we're making in this save. <laughs> Fancy. Uh, join us. Join us in the future. If you have any questions about the game, I will never claim to know it all. But I can try my best to help you. Um, Space loves to help people too. We learn from playing different ways, from listening to other people. I recommend it. Do the same. If you would like to support this show and everything we're doing, I would love, 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 love for you to become a member over at revelatornetwork.com. We will have a link to that in the show notes below, as always. But go check it out. We got a free trial. We've been doing what we're calling our, our Saturday seances, where we get together with a group of people, explore some really interesting scientific ESP stuff. Like Stanford Research Institute, Princeton, doing all these scientific studies on ESP, and I never knew about it for all these years. And I was like, whoa. So we're doing all these really cool experiments that have received millions of dollars in U.S. taxpayer <laughs> funding. So come have fun with us as we explore these declassified documents as a group. Try and talk to some aliens of our own. And that's literally what we're trying to do, by the way. I don't know if this group's going to think I'm batshit crazy, but I, I am, so it's fine. But I mean, that's, that's the fun of it is um, for anyone that's seen the spirit box on television, that... that radio that spins through all the different frequencies. The history of that was that the man that made it, Frank Sumption, made it because he was trying to talk to extraterrestrials or ultra-terrestrials, something outside of our dimension. I say it here, I pimp it out on this podcast because it's literally what Stellaris is built on, right? Like outside of Stellaris, I sound like a total crackpot. In Stellaris, you're like, oh yeah, I know about the scourges and all the different dimensional breaches and the, the so-and-so. And then I go and read all these weird CIA documents that are like, yeah, and you too can take your mind to the astral plane of the whatever and speak to the aliens that are, that are there. And I'm like, the CIA wrote this in the, in the, in the 80s, 90s? I'm like, what the freaking what? So anyway, join us. It's really, really freaking fun. So much awesomeness. Such a great group of people. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Lots of fun going on there with the Stellaris crew. We're going to hop into a game here in just about 30 minutes. So I'm going to bail out, get this update or up episode uploaded for you. Have fun. Stay safe if I don't talk to you before uh, the end of July. July 24th, 26th, that's about when I'll be in the uh, new place and settled with some internet. So you may not hear from me too much before then. I might, I might just try and get up a little kind of well wishes episode that I might just spam out across all of our shows on, you know, kind of a close two day. I also might use that as a chance to put in some of our other content over here. If you guys would be up for it, we just interviewed a really great speaker in the occult and who's very much into what I just said. So maybe I'll drop that episode up on this feed too. And we can get a listen. Um, John E.L. Tenney talks all about UFOs, paranormal, specifically where it all collides. What things that we group in one area but are actually another. So have fun. Get weird with yourselves. I'll try and drop that episode up on this feed. That could be a fun little interchange. Go listen to Chaos and Shadow. That would make my heart happy. Become a member if you'd like to support the network and the move. It all 100% goes back to helping me and the network like it's a totally homebrewed thing. We're going to be repairing that really, really cool house for our rituals and seance sort of work in the future. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we're going to have a whole gaming area. So that's even going to include some meetups in Pennsylvania if folks want to come out. Um, 
We'll do that once everything's safe with the pandemic. But yeah, come hang out. Be fun. Be safe. Be good. Be weird. Bye.